Hi, everyone. Welcome to this Jessel podcast. I'm Ernie Raposa, your host, and I'm here with my guest, Jim Willenbring. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Ernie. Glad to be here. Jim is a has his own practice as a consultant. He is a strategy and a business consultant and is also a, a leadership and life coach. I thought Jim would be a fantastic addition to this podcast based on everything he brings to the table and what he's been doing out there. So Jim, uh, would love uh, for you to tell a bit about your story and your journey and what you're doing now and, and how uh, job seekers can benefit from some of your wisdom here. Great. No, I'm, I'm glad to. And just again, Ernie, it's really good to work with you again. Uh, just for full disclosure yep. for everybody, Ernie and I worked together in uh, one of our last jobs and had a, had a great working relationship. And it's, it's really fun to, to kind of intersect back again, you know, with, with you, Ernie. And, and, and my middle name is Ernest. And so I do not run into uh, many Ernie's around the world. Right. And so, right. so, so Ernie and I have a, have a, have a, another connection that's, uh, that's beyond just uh, our work in the past and our, our, our ability to be able to get things done and to be able to work together well. So, so really glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so what do I do? So I, from a historical perspective, you know, in my career has been, you know, really in the medical device industry. I, I worked for Medtronic for actually over 30 years and uh, transitioned from the company in the fall of 2020. So after the pandemic had gotten started and, and essentially started my own practice, essentially doing, as you said, I do strategy consulting work. I, I led strategy and business analytics and, and different businesses related to software within, uh, you know, within Medtronic for years. and. Uh, and I've been doing that kind of strategy consulting work afterwards as well, which is really, really trying to help people. What can they do with their data? You know, what's, how can they get more commercial value out of their data? And uh, I'm an electrical engineer by background, have a master's in, uh, in scientific and technical communication. And so this weird engineer who could communicate and write, you know, not to, not to throw too, the yes, engineers you, under the bus. You were much, a, but, a rare, uh, a rare find. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and so, so most of my career was, was really actually not deep into the design of technology, but more in that um, connecting between what are the needs out in the marketplace from customers, uh, from patients and those pieces, and then tying that back, you know, to the organization to, uh, to develop technology and innovation and services and solutions and such. And so, so I've got a, a, got a deep, deep experience in that area and, and also a lot of leadership experience as well. And so I, I led teams for the vast majority of my career, you know, at, the, at Medtronic. And, uh, and one of the really interesting things that I, I did there that they provided an, an opportunity for me to do is to actually do leadership coaching. And so back in 2013, the company essentially decided to, to, to do coaching inter, uh, staffed internally. And so they, they identified a group of leaders to, to actually go through official coaching training. And so I went through through the Coactive Training Institute, essentially that's one of the very well-known coaching training programs out there and graduated from that program um, with a cohort of others and essentially started coaching and, and did that from 2014 and of course until 2020. I did go on and get, there's a further certification that that organization provides, which I completed as well. And so I've been, I've been coaching, well, it'll be eight, almost nine years now. And I have really, really enjoyed it. And so that's part of my practice as well, is, is in addition to the kind of classic business strategy work, you know, I've got, I've got the coaching piece as well. And, and two areas of coaching. One is, one is, I would call it classic leadership coaching, which I, I had done within the company. 
for years. And, and so I'm doing that now. And I'm actually a, uh, a coach for the Bailey Group, which is, uh, which is a local leadership development organization and firm that's here in the Twin Cities. And they've got a, got a broad regional and actually across the U.S., approach as well and, and helping doing do companies, typically mid-sized companies do leadership development work. And so I'm just getting started to, uh, to help them out with, with some leadership coaching as well. And then I've also have a really cool project that I have a twin sister who is a physician and she's in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. And so I've been doing a really, really meaningful project around burnout with healthcare workers. And so We've yeah. developed and designed a program that essentially integrates integrated medicine treatment and coaching to essentially address healthcare workers who are, are really who are burned out and suffering and such. So that's been a been a great project as well. Wow. And and so so timely and important today. Yes. With everything going on. Um, right, well, right. Exactly. It, it sounds like you're busier than you were when you worked a nine to five job. You have a few things, you have a few irons in the fire, Jim. I do. I do. I would say yes and no. You know, on, on one hand, when you're your own boss, essentially you can you can set your own agenda, right? And choose to take on the work. And so that's one of the, the interesting things that I've really had to adapt to is you know, clearly I was a leader in the organization and, and I drove a lot within my within my, my function and within the within the business areas that I had responsibility for, but but in working for myself you know, I can, I control that funnel. Right. And so, so part of it is, is I, that's one of the, the big differences, you know, for me is, <clears throat> has been, is I've been trying to be picky and choosy about <clears throat> the, the kinds of projects and the kinds of work that I do want to take on, you know, and, uh, and also think about it uh, from a, you know, am I curious about it? Uh, will I be learning? Right. What values am I honoring? Right. As, uh, as I, as I think about the choices and, and the work that I'm doing, and, and I, I acknowledge that's a bit of a privileged kind of position to have, you know, because not everybody's got, you know, that opportunity to be able to be picky about uh, the kinds of jobs that they have. But, but, it, but you know, I've, I've had a long career, you know, and I have that opportunity to be able to, to make some choices uh, about, you know, where I spend my time. And uh, so it sounds like I'm busier, but, uh, but I'm actually trying not to be. I'm actually trying to, trying to balance things um, really carefully as well and, uh, and be uh, to make sure that. I, I not just help people with burnout, but I don't experience it myself. Since I've learned a lot about burnout, you know, since I've since I've do I've done this program with with my sister. So, right. well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I for one have certainly benefited from everything that you bring uh, to the table. Uh, you're partially responsible for my getting into the the coaching world as well. So, uh, having seen you in action, I, I know that uh, whoever works with you will will come away better better off from it. So, and, and for, for what your transition has been going from where you, where you were in your, your day job, your career to this new, this new second act you have, Jim, uh, the, the impact you have is you can decide where to add value, where, to, where to bring that experience to bear. And let's say your the ripple effect you, you bring is, is so much more intentional based on where you're choosing to, to, to put that effort in. So that's, that must be super rewarding too. What it, it is. Um, and it's, and it's also challenging because it's, it's easy to define impact in some very narrow ways. Right. And for example, scale, you know, so yeah. in my prior role, I was, I was doing things that were affecting 
you know, I would call it, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, even, you know, over the career, millions yeah. of, of, of end, end customers, right? Patients, for example, who benefited from life-saving devices. Um, and so one of the ways that I, you know, found myself thinking was, was, was about scale. And, and, and what I was used to was, was having the opportunities in working with a large organization to be able to have impact uh, at that level of scale, right? Mm -hmm. And when you buy yourself, it, that's that's a lot more difficult, right? To be able yeah. to do that. And yeah. so, and so for me, I've, I've actually had to go through a rede redefinition of of how do I define impact, right? right. Okay. And 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 what is and scale is one one way of doing that, but but scale in that case is breadth, right? Um, versus depth, right. you know. And 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 that's one of the ways that I, that I've really had to redefine it in my in my mind because because it's really hard for me to have that kind of scale. You know, of course, nowadays just by myself. However, but but that ability to be able to go deep, um, the ability to be able to be present, right, and the ability to be to be uh, to, to redefine. It's you know, it's not just the output of you know what kind of impact on revenue and on customers and all those kinds of things, but it, it's it's that and and it's also around. I would say the quality, of the interactions that I have with people, and and how how am I showing up, you know, myself to those that. That's that's not just the doing piece, but it's also the being piece of it as well. And so that's that you know I've learned a little bit about that and about mindfulness and other kinds of things as part of through my coaching kind of experience. But but especially through some of the integrative medicine elements that I've gotten familiar with with uh, with my sister and her practice partner as well has been has been really 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 helpful. You know to to be able to understand what that balance is and be able to map that out. Wow. Well, that that just sounds uh, amazing and. I feel even more lucky to have you here on the podcast. And, and we, we talked a bit about uh, some of the themes we wanted to cover in, in advance. Because this is a, a, a podcast that is dedicated to building a community where folks who are potentially in transition, looking for their next thing, looking for ideas of, of how to uh, accelerate their journey to that next step, we, we want to... Uh, provide them with, with tools, resources, let's say something to put in their backpack when they leave this podcast. So we had talked a bit about uh, some of the coaching you've done for folks who, who might be in transition and where they might have challenges with living in that period of uncertainty around just living with fear and vulnerability and having to put yourself out there where it's, it's the, those feelings are new and uncomfortable, but, but we have to have to move forward through them. So is, is that something you can, you can share a little bit more around? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that theme of what is, what is your relationship with fear and vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. I think is, is, a, is a strong one that I've, I've been grappling with myself and then also kind of working with, you know, the coaching clients that I, that I have as well. And so if we step back a little bit, you know, and I think about what are some of the challenges that, that a number of the kind of clients that I've worked with and, and myself have faced over time, you know, I think there are some themes that come out of that, you know, related to, for example, you know, some assumptions, you know, you don't have to stay, you know, in your specific job or career until it burns you out, right? Until right. the stress gets so high that it causes physical, psychological, emotional issues or problems, right? And, and so, so sometimes I'm seeing folks that are on the, you know, they're, they've, they've gone through that, they've hung with it, 
loyalty is a value. It's one of mine, right? And, and right. So, so there's an element, I think, that, that that's especially a big challenge in high-purpose organizations mm-hmm. or professions where the, those expectations for the company, the organization, or the customers, right, are, are so high. Think healthcare, for example, right? And, and then you combine that with, I would candidly say sometimes poor leadership combined with all the, the high pressure and the high purpose. And, and that can be a recipe for an organization to really take advantage of their people um, to the detriment of that employee's kind of health and well-being, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so part of the work that I've done with a lot of people is, is to really unwrap that a bit, but also, you know, that, that prioritization, right? That care and compassion that they have for others, for their colleagues, for their you know, for the patients or the customers or the, the organization, they are as deserving of that kind of self-compassion and self-care as others are, right? And, and oftentimes it's a one-way street for many people, or it's 90% one way and 10% the other way, right? And I think that, that, that everybody, everybody is really worth the respect and they deserve to, to actually take care of themselves, right? Physically, mentally, and emotionally, because, because you're a human being. Okay. Not because of what you produce, the output of you, what you, know, what you produce, your job title, all that kind of thing. But it's just, it's none of that. It's really, you deserve it because you're a person, right. That, you know, and, and so, so I think I've run into a number of folks that have, that have served others their whole career and really struggle with focusing on what, how might they serve themselves, right. In their decisions and actually in drawing boundaries, you know, so yeah. It, um, it, yeah. And, and when you, in some of my own, my own coaching sessions, when you, you let, let's say, ask that provocative question around, let's just stop and think about you, the client for, for a moment and, and put all that other stuff aside. It's, it's, you, you see that struggle happening in, in their eyes around that, just being a, a strange feeling for, for them to, to, yeah. to live in that space. And, and that, invitation, I would say, is to be vulnerable with themselves, actually, mm-hmm. uh, not just to be vulnerable with others, but with themselves, right. you know, and so I think that, that holding that mirror up and saying, all those values that you honor, by all the work and the effort that you do with others, how are you valuing? How are, how are you applying those values to yourself? You know, right. and right. Um, values are a really powerful thing that I use in my coaching a lot. And um, there's lots of different ways to determine values. And there's you can go, I'm sure there's a bunch of websites you can go to and, and other kinds of assessment places. And so, so I do a lot of values work, you know, in, in, in that. And, and, you know, and, and you know, th- these are not values around honesty, integrity. I mean, those are values. Great. Those are helpful to right. have, right. But right. these are yeah. things that are actually uniquely and meaningfully, you know, defined for that individual person. Right. And, and the definition of fulfillment is, are you living? Okay in ways that honor your values, right? You know, fundamentally. And yeah. And so I think that's, so, so I think when I think about tools or approaches, you know, for people who are in transition, how well do you know yourself, right? How well do you know your values? You know, and, and that that could, that could take you from one bad job to another bad job. If you, you are pursuing, whether it's a journey or a narrative or a title or money. And at the end of the day, that, that isn't what fulfills you or fills your tank. That that initial lie of oh I have a job fades fairly quickly when the whether it's the culture or uh, the work doesn't 
let's say spark joy, right? Yeah. Uh, and, or the, and the, and the opposite would be is it actually, it steps on your values. Right. And it, and it, and it, and, and you can't avoid a little bit of that. I mean, that's always going to happen. Right. But does, does your organization step on, on your values? Right. It, is there a misalignment of that piece of it? And, and if you, if you haven't named that for yourself, if you don't, you're actually going to have an emotional reaction to it. You're going to have an emotional reaction when your values are stepped on and you're going to have an emotional reaction when your values are honored. Right. But you, you may not, you, just, you might think, Hey, I'm feeling really good right now. Well, why is that? Well, you know, understanding that. And, and also I'm feeling really bad right now. I'm really feeling put down. I'm really feeling, you know, left out. I'm, you know, those pieces. And, and so that, that self-knowledge, uh, that awareness is really, really powerful for people. And, and so I think whether you can do that with assessments, whether you work with a coach like yourself, Ernie or myself, or that piece of it to really pull those threads out and really understand that at, at a meaningful level, you know, that, that is really powerful. And, you know, I worked with a coach when I transitioned, you know, um, you know, from my last job yeah. and, and that was really, really helpful. Um, it's like physician heal, I say, you know, physicians getting treated by others. I mean, it's physician heal myself. It's hard to do that. Right. And, yeah. and just, just like, uh, you know, so in working with that coach, it was really a journey of self-discovery for me where I am now versus, you know, all these files I had in my, my head, in my heart about kind of where I was in the past and those expectations and all that kind of thing where I just, I needed to let a lot of that go. Right. And, and really build things back up to kind of where, where I, where, what was going to be invested in service to me based on, based on who I was right now and what was going to be, you know, helpful for me going forward and such. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, so part of that, you know, I think that that whole journey, Ernie, I think is really about when you think about vulnerability and, and fear, you know, uh, that's embedded, you know, in putting yourself out there for yourself, right. And taking risks, you know, around being able to make decisions and, and, and making risks that are going to be making decisions around jobs or careers or things that you want to do in your life that are actually going to honor those values. Right. And if you haven't been doing that for a while, uh, that's going to feel very different. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And, and to me, that's those, that kind of awareness of, of that is really critical because, because growth comes from being uncomfortable, right? That's, that's right. essentially the characteristics of it and the definition yep. of it and such. Yep. So, it's, it's, it uh, creates new muscles. Yep. Well, and, right. Exactly. And, and, you know, even from, from a more, from a practical perspective, p- people tend to go to interviews with uh, a lens of, well, I, I need to get this job. I need to jump through these hoops. I need to pass these tests. Right. You should also have your antenna up for the culture. At, at that early stage and it, look at those resources that are out there like Glassdoor and, and other other folks that can give you a sense of what what it's like to what, what it's like in a, in a day-to-day from a day-to-day perspective and when you're talking to those recruiters when you're in that that interview round ask those questions ask ask uh, is is there camaraderie do people have best friends at work is is there a so there's a sense of humor. These are, and, and I'm projecting a little bit, right? <laughs> but yes, right. these are things that are, that are, uh, that are important to me and, and folks that are on a similar journey should be thinking about those things before they commit to the next thing. Yeah. Well, it's that you as a candidate interviewing the company, right? right. In addition yeah. to the company interviewing you or the organization interviewing you. And, and it's, uh, you know, and what are those, I would call it culture kind of value oriented questions that you can ask yeah. um, that, that can, can be what I would call high gain questions, right? Yeah. 
that you can ask that would really surface, is this going to be a great fit for me? And so, but you got to do the work before that to understand what's important to you, right? And what's going to honor those things. And so, so that's almost, you know, when you think about all the time that people put in in interview preps and resumes and all that kind of thing, uh, how much time do they have an understanding to, to know what are the criteria that I'm going to judge this job for that's actually more of a cultural and a value fit versus here's what my income requirements are. Here's what I'd like to be able to do in the job, right? It's how do I want to be in the job? How do I want to be with others? And how do I want them to be with me? You know, so it might come up with some really creative questions that the, the hiring manager may not have heard before, right? But I, but I think it's, it's the kind of thing that's really helpful. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention as well about this kind of being vulnerable is one of the things that I did, you know, I, I had a, a clearly a huge network kind of having worked for a company for so long internally. One of the things that, that, that was really hard for me was losing that or, you know, losing that day-to-day interaction with, with yeah. you know, colleagues like yourself, Ernie, when you and I work together, right? And, and, and when you're working for yourself, right? How do you, how do you create that, right? And how do you develop that? And, and, and part of that is I had a, a former colleague I worked with, her her sister-in-law, you know, was, you know, a senior director at, at, a, at a big, a, a large organization based in, the, in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. I was as well. She was yeah. transitioning to be a consultant, you know, and a, and a coach at the same time. She said, hey, you two should talk. You know, right. so we did. And, and we, we meet every, I think, every three weeks or so. We've been meeting since last fall. It's kind of a, what I would call a community of practice. Sure. You know? And yep. we pick podcasts, we pick, you know, books. And then we've actually more recently been actually relying on each other to, uh, to give feedback around different projects that we're working on. Right. And so, so it's almost turned into almost colleagues, right. And, right. and somebody that we trust, you know, and it, it's, it is exhausting to think of everybody as competition. Right. You know, and, and I think that that element is, is, you know, how do you, how do you make and find your own team, right. In, mm-hmm. in whatever those organizations are. And, and let's say you, you, you're going from one company or one organization to another one, right. You still need to develop that network, you know, within those organizations, you know, and, and, and what is it about how you want to relate to other people um, and how do you want to be with others and how you want them to be with you, you know, that, that, that that's going to be in service to, to really finding a fit and a match, you know, and I think, and, and those questions really require you to be vulnerable, right, in asking those, right, and, and being willing to say, hey, would you be willing, you know, to, uh, to, to work with me on this, right, or to, uh, connect with me on a regular basis so that we, we help and support each other. Right. I mean, that's a vulnerable question to put your, put yourself out there and risk that on the professional side of things. Right. Even, I mean, even where, where Dan, my co-founder and I are on the Jussel journey, we both have day jobs. We're just a couple of guys looking for a way to give back and, and help one another. And it's a, it's a great way to, to stay in touch with people. We, we, we like and admire and, and like having conversations yeah. like this with. So, right. uh, so yeah. for, for, but, but initially that when we started putting ourselves out there, we're like, wow, this is, this is very much outside of our comfort zone, but it's something we feel passionate about, but we had to take that. It, it was a bit of a, a leap of faith to, to say, Hey, we're doing this. And, and people started coming out of the woodwork and we, we have pretty expansive networks already. But we found more and more people that were out there like us that just wanted to help somehow. So it's it's amazing what you'll find if you just take that first step and let people know what you're all about. That that community can can coalesce around you pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Right, um, and the the fear of 
of raising your hand, putting your neck out, right, yeah. is really strong, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and I think, so, so that, that element is, is what is your relationship to, to fear and vulnerability, I think is, is really, and one of the things I learned over my long career is, is when I started feeling uncomfortable, you know, there's different kinds of discomfort, right? But, but there was a certain kind of discomfort for me that was telling me, this is a stretch for me. Okay. This is, this is me learning. And this, this is me getting outside of my comfort zone by definition, right? That piece of it, I'm being um, uncomfortable. And, and part of that is, is what's the opportunity to actually lean forward into it as opposed to step back, right? That element right. of it. And so, so, so being able to understand yourself and, and going on that, some of that self-reflective journey, whether it's through yourself, through readings, through working with a coach, that kind of thing is, is, is really, really critical. So. Well, well, speaking of reading, Jim, you and yes. I, uh, uh, without unbeknownst to one another, we're reading uh, a new book that was out around the same time called Strength to Strength. And it, it touches on this a bit around, let's say, the kind of the learning period of your life and the life of when you're more of an aggregator, you're putting different things together from your collected experiences. And before I get too into the weeds on that, what's, what's your kind of high level takeaway from that book? And I, I guess we should credit the author on that too. I know. Yes. You yeah. Yeah. Arthur Brooks. Yep. So he does a lot of work with the Atlantic and, you know, he's, uh, I'm not sure what his PhD is in, but, uh, but he, he ran a consulting firm for many years and essentially went on this personal journey himself. And right. essentially I, I, he tells a story, the trigger for this book in the beginning, I think was really interesting where he was on a flight with somebody and he sat next to someone who was very famous, you know, in his life and in his achievements. And, and this gentleman was, was essentially feeling like his life was a failure, right? That piece mm-hmm. of it. Um, and, uh, you know, well, I, think, I think the quote was, I wish I was dead. And this oh, guy was sitting behind him. He didn't know who he was oh, right, initially, right. right? So yeah. he just heard this, this person who was just, I guess, commiserating with his wife. And, and, and she was trying to make him feel better. And he's just like, oh, my life is over. I wish I was dead. And, and, and so he, right. he, he wasn't expecting this person to be this famous person when the plane landed. Right. right dumbfounded right and so yeah. uh, so part of it is i think the the kind of the tenant for him is is that there's you know there's two kinds of well chapter one just if you if you read the book is brutal okay i mean it's it, it absolutely, you know, uh, it's a gut punch yeah right it is and it, it, the, i think that's the title i wrote the title down it's your professional decline is coming much sooner than you think right? <laughs> you know, so so the first couple chapters essentially lays out the case for why is this happening, kind of neuroscience, cognitive function, all this kind of stuff. But it boils it down to that there's two different types of intelligence, right? There's this fluid intelligence, which is really that ability to solve abstract problems, right? It's kind of raw smarts. And guess what? You got more of that when you're young, right? And that starts to essentially fade after your 30s, right? 40s, 50s, et cetera, right? But then you talk about this... Uh, crystallized intelligence, which is really knowledge that's gained, right, um, through life, through acculturation and learning. And that's, you think of that as wisdom, right? And of course, wisdom, people are wise as they've lived and through experiences and such over time. And so, so you can imagine um, that crystallized intelligence, it increases, right, over, over your lifetime and increases until, you know, it starts to drop, of course, when you're towards the end of your lifetime and such. But, but, you know, what his tenant is, is take advantage of the curves, recognize, embrace them, understand that those curves are happening. And, and, and the concept is, is that the, use your wisdom, you know, get off of the, the fluid intelligence curve and the, and the striving, right. There's, there's a striver's curse, right. right. Which says, you know, I have to be 
um, as successful or more successful than other people in this whole competitively kind of fueled environment. And, yeah. and, and it turns into a treadmill, right? Well, um, and, and, and they talk and, about it being almost like a drug, like the, the dopamine yeah. effect you get after an achievement and, and you're constantly chasing or, or it, you can fall into that, that habit of being on that treadmill, constantly chasing that high. Of, right. of trying to find that again. And they use the example of, I think it was Charles Darwin who wrote his evolution of the species or, or his, his big claim to fame, he was 50. Right. And he spent the rest of his life trying to top that when right. that, was his, that, was his, that was his thing. And so he never acknowledged that, rested on his laurels, appreciated it. He just, right. he just kept striving. So, and then the, the, the opposite example that they brought in the book was, um, was it, was it Bach? It wasn't yeah. Beethoven. I think uh, it, was Beethoven. it was Bach, I think, where, you know, he did a lot of his best composing early on, but then he shifted into that kind of wise teacher mode, right? And right. essentially completely uh, revamped, you know, the value that he added to classical music in ways that were astounding, but was leveraging really, you know, the, the wisdom and the knowledge that he had generated over decades and, and, and created a legacy for himself, right. As opposed to trying to rest on the, the laurels that, that essentially, you know, got him to where he, you know, he initially was recognized in that piece of it. And, and, and so, I mean, it goes back to the comment, the theme earlier around vulnerability, right. And about fears it, there's a hell of a lot of fear in being able to jump from one to the other. And, and, and I'm still getting my arms around it, right. A little bit as yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. I think, I think my, my consulting work, which is a lot of what I did in most of my career, you know, it was a little bit more on the fluid intelligence side of things, right. You know, and the coaching work, right. It's a little bit more on the crystallized intelligence side of things. Right. And so, so I still have a foot, you know, on that side of it, but the, the, I would call it the striver's curse, right you know, that you just, you have to get more and more and more. You know, I, I use that, that metaphor of, of a treadmill is, is what kind of progress are you making, right? Versus being on the treadmill and just being spun at it and, and actually being on a treadmill and, and not having, uh, not having the ability to stop it or to slow it down or be able to control it is, is really is the, is kind of the evil treadmill, I would call it and such. So, so I think, yeah, I, I just think that's a, that's an element in that book around that, that I think is really helpful to get your arms around is that there's, there is a natural kind of shifting that's happening in your head, in your mind. Um, and, and I think acknowledging that, defining what that means to you and then taking advantage of it. Right. And, sh right. and shifting to how that goes. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, you know, myself, I kind of backed into it. You know, when I was approached to say, Hey, do you want to be a coach? And it's like, Oh, I, I you know, I've been a mentor. You know, I've been a leader. Yeah. You know, I manage people, you know, you know, this coaching thing is, you know, is, you know, it's probably very similar to mentoring, I bet. Right. <laughs> so, wow. That was a, I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of like a small piece of it. Right. But then there's a whole nother piece to it as well. And that, that incredibly got me outside of my comfort zone. Um, well, as a consultant, you're, you're used to telling people, here's what you need to do. I've solved your right. problem. Right. Where coaching is, right. is so much, not that right. You're, you're running alongside that person, but, but you're, you're, you're not giving them, you're not, you're not telling them what to do. Right, exactly. And but the interesting thing is, you know, is how that has affected the, the consulting that I do. Right. And so clearly, you can, I can deliver a recommendation and that piece of it. But, but when you actually, you know, if you're working on a team and on a project, you're facilitating a group, you know, related to that work, you know, those coaching skills are be are more and more valuable, right? Because yeah. this whole fundamental tenet, which says an idea someone else comes up with, you know, they're going to be much more 
motivated to pursue that than something you d- deliver up with them on a silver platter, a piece of it, right? You, you know, and so so that element of, and so combining those two has been kind of an interesting journey for me. It's right, how do, how do I meld my coaching and my consulting work together in, in ways that, that, I, that, that are really fun for me, right? That right. honor both pieces of it. And you can still bring the wisdom you've accumulated to the table without necessarily needing to know everything. And, and you know, the whole, the whole thing about coaching is being curious and, and being okay with not knowing, right? That, that's, that's actually makes you a better coach. And, and it reminded me of another nugget from the book. And, and this is something I think folks who are in transition could really benefit from is embrace the, for, for our more seasoned folks in, in transition is, is embrace that a, a bit where, it's, it's, I'd say the, the power in, we, we've heard all the studies that the more diverse a team is the, 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 let's say the, the, the higher performing that organization is right. right. Uh, and, and the author talks about how he was giving a talk at a Silicon Valley firm where everybody's, everybody's in their twenties. And, and one of the, the attendees asked a question about, diversity and how can we get more diversity in, in our organization? And, and he was chatting about it and he said, well, where are all your old people? And the person, <laughs> right. and, and, and the person said, oh, you mean people over 30? Right. <laughs> and he said, he said, what a punk, right? But yeah. you know, have, having those folks embedded in your organization have, have, you know, there, there's a folks who, who have, have, have that, let's say that, that perspective of we've, we've tried that before. It'll never work. But there's also the folks who are like, we've tried that before. Here's what we saw. And here's what you should be thinking about before we go repeating mistakes. And, and that is bringing that wisdom to the table. And an organization should be hunting for, for those people. And I, I know ageism is out there. It's a thing. But if, if you're a recruiter or you're a job seeker, you know, understand the power of some of your uh, folks that are uh, farther along in their, their uh, employment journey, right? Right. Yeah. The other thing I picked up, you know, from Brooks was um, in this book was, was trying things, you know, that whole element around trying different things out. Right. Um, And, and that was one of the things that I, I did and are still doing, you know, in my career is uh, right now and in my, my role is what are some ways for me to put my toe or foot or leg in the water? Right. You know, for example, like I haven't done a lot of work with nonprofits, right. But this Mm -hmm. friend of mine, you know, from a long time ago, president of this, of the board of directors, you know, for this theater company, this youth oriented theater organization. And he, you know, I was reconnecting, you know, and he asked me, Hey, you want to help out, you know? And so it's some pro bono work that I've been doing, you know, related to this organization. And, and part of it was, Hey, I've never worked with nonprofits before, right. I've always been on the for-profit, you know, company, you know, in healthcare, all that kind of thing. And this is in theater, you know, way, you know, so all of a sudden it's like, well, that sounds really different. And, and all of a sudden I was, I was, I was kind of feeling in myself, I'm a little nervous about this. Right. And so all of a sudden it's this, this element about vulnerability and about fear. And it's just like, okay, let's give it a try, you know, and how, how can I try this out? Right. How can I put my foot in the water and leg in the water? And it's been, been a great experience to be able to kind of get some visibility to that, to that world, be able to take the skills and knowledge that I have and to adapt it. Right. You know, and, and um, not, kill them with, you know, with all of the, the kind of approach and the structure when they're a small organization that, that you, you have the luxury of in a larger organization. And how do you tailor that? So the lesson that I've been learning on it is, has been really, really, really good. You know? Right. Right. And you can d- distill out the key things that they really need. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah. A piece of it. So, so the, I, I think that's a, that's an element of it. And, you know, I think 
The other, the other theme in here, which is, is a theme you and I have never talking about here is, and, and what you and I are doing right now is, is do you have a learning partner? You know, how, you know, who in your, who can help you in your learning journey, right? You know, Arthur Brooks essentially went to India, you know, he was essentially, you know, almost a spiritual journey as part of some of the chapters towards the end of the book, right? But, but part of it is, is what are you learning and, and how are you doing that? How are you actually learning? And, and are, are you, do you have like-minded other individuals or non-like-minded ones who can help you think differently, right? right. That would really challenge and, and really help you kind of pull out the threads of the experiences that you're going through to help you be, to help you learn from those things, right? So you're not sentenced to repeat the same mistakes again and again, right? That piece of right. it. And so, just so that, I mean, just your question around, and just this, the comment I made about the, the lessons that I'm learning from working with this nonprofit, I don't know if I've shared those with anybody right now, right? You know, and, and, and so just the fact of you and I talking about this on this, on this podcast, you know, not go to the meta level here, but, but yeah. do you have thought partners? Do you have opportunities for you to be able to process out loud on a podcast or, you know, over a cup of coffee, right? Or to whomever else, for the coach, you know, that piece of it to be able to actually accelerate your learning. And then the next question is, is so what are you going to do about it? Right. Right. You know, do you want to do more of that going forward? Do you want to do less of that going forward? Do you want to keep experimenting related to that piece of it? But, but this whole journey around the learning piece of it, right. And the reflection, purposeful reflection is what I call it, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, uh, is often a key skill, you know, not only clearly to learn about your projects and what weren't worked well and worked differently, but actually about yourself and how, what's your reaction to those pieces also. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, yeah. Some, some of the, the self-assessments that are out there are, alarmingly accurate and and i've taken uh, a bunch of them over over the years and i i like to think i'm special and unique and, and no test can pin me down or put me in a box but it certainly helps me understand where there are areas of of myself i i can focus on and and pulls out some uncomfortable things that i might not necessarily notice if i hadn't gone out and intentionally taken that assessment or put out that 360 survey or gone to that networking event where there might be a bunch of people I don't know, or or would you want to want to sit next to at a bar and have a drink with? But I'm in this networking event with them, and we're talking about stuff. So definitely getting outside of your 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 own, whether it's your echo chamber of your own head or your immediate bubble of of friends, that's really important to to get that that fresh perspective and to keep to keep your. Uh, I, I'd say just just to keep yourself a bit a bit grounded in in the what what's happening out in the in the world and, and to get a little more meta on on top of what you you had jim is just what what resonates out, out there and what what lights you up and what lights other people up yeah right can i can i share one of my favorite um, kind of assessments sure yes so there's a uh, gretchen rubin she's a she's an author on habits and so gretchen, gretchen, of- gretchen rubin Yes, Gretchen Rubin, and she's got she's she's written a number of books around around habits and behavior, and one of my favorites is uh, it's called the Four Tendencies, okay. and it, and, it, and it's all about how do you respond to expectations, both external expectations you know from others or internal expectations from yourself, and like any assessment right you fall into into four categories right there's four categories like you know and. And I just, I just, this framework has been really, really helpful, both for myself, but especially for the clients that I use, because 
because it's, it's kind of how you're wired and you're not, you know, you're not, you're not cemented into these different categories, but generally you, you're essentially oriented, you know, one, one way or the other across these different four and the four are, okay. It's, and she of course has got, has got great names for them. I hope I can think of them off the top of my head here, right? So you've got the obliger, okay? Which is somebody who is, who responds to external expectations, but not to internal ones. So they oblige others, but they have a harder time if they set their own, for example, uh, expectations for them, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions, right? They have a hard time following through with those, but if someone right. tells them what to do or someone gives them something to do, then they respond to it, right? right. Um, there's the upholder who says, give me an expectation or I will set one myself. I will uphold them all, okay? I'm a master at, at, at expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you got the questioner who says, you know, an external expectation, I need to question that, right? I have to turn it to an internal one for me to be able to respond to it, right? And then yeah. the last one is the rebel who essentially rejects all expectations, both, uh, both external ones from others and then internal ones themselves, right? And so, so none of these are bad or good. It's just how people are, are wired in certain ways. And, and, and this is, when I think about it, it's, you know, it, it's often at the crux of, especially people who are so oriented to other people. I think the, the biggest category is obligers you know, in the world. There's the most people running into that category. And, and, it's, and, and so when others give you an expectation and you prioritize that over something that would be more helpful for yourself and you keep doing that again and again and again, guess yeah. what that is a recipe for, right? Yeah. And then there's, there's not much of you left, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and they, she has a term called the obliger rebellion because that finally builds up and up and up and then right, it explodes you know, and goes from there. And so, so I just, I love that framework. It's helpful, it's useful. You, know, you, you don't get locked into ones, but when you, if you understand yourself, then actually you can kind of, you can put hacks in place for your own behavior. Yeah. You know, you can start to say, hey, if I'm an obliger and I want to exercise on a regular basis, right? Because I want to be more healthy, then I'm going to engage an accountability partner. And if I know a friend of mine is waiting on the corner at 6.30 in the morning, I'm going to get my butt out of bed. But if I have to be the one, if I'm just going to exercise on my, on, by myself, I'm going to have a harder time doing that, right? And so you, you know yourself, you can be able to then can, can design what you want to accomplish and then leverage kind of your behavioral tendencies, right? You know, to be able to take advantage of that, you know, that piece of it. Yeah. And all four of those can do it, right? That yeah. And, and that, that can work in how you build a team, how you right. have a relationship with your boss, with your family, right? Exactly. I mean, even in this example, I love recording these podcasts and talking to people I love and editing the podcast, not my favorite thing. So I, I need my co-founder to be my accountability partner to be like, Hey, when are we editing those podcasts? (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's, uh, and and I think knowing yourself just, and, and people around you get it. If you're pretty upfront about your strengths and and weaknesses and, and that, you're, you're putting that out there that, that you need them to help you. People are, are generally pretty accommodating. Yeah. And, and in my case, they, 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 they may mock you, but you know, (laughs) if it's among friends, it's fine. Right. Right. So, so Jim, we're, we're coming up on time here. Um, I'm so, I'm so excited about your being able to join us here. Would love to have you back. I, I feel like we have hours and hours of content with, books and assessments and experiences we, we could share here. So would love to have you back. I won't put you on the spot on, on the podcast, but just love so you know, you have an open invitation. Any, any parting thoughts, pearls of wisdom you want to leave folks who may have tuned in here to, to learn a bit about the journey and, and any takeaways here? 
A couple. One would be uh, when you're in transition is not the time to hunker down. It's actually the time to, to take risks, right? You know, and, and that fear and vulnerability piece of it, you're going to feel it. It's natural. It's human nature. And, and the element of getting familiar with it and understanding when is the fear something you really need to listen to and act a certain way, of course, for safety and health and all those, those kinds of things. And when is that fear around discomfort around learning, right? And discomfort around growing. And if you can tell the difference between those two over time, th that, is, that is an enormous recipe for accelerating growth and actually leaning into to opportunities that you, you just don't know are going to have some of, the, some of the best kind of benefits and, and payouts over time. So I think that, that element of it is, is, you know, understanding your relationship right to fear and vulnerability, I think is, is really critical um, for, yeah, just for knowing yourself and then how, how do you want to respond to some of those new opportunities in front of you? And uh, so, cause otherwise you're operating with blinders, right. You know, at, you know, they say, you know, sometimes people shut down, I, you know, it's around logic and thinking, right. You know, but emotions, that's where your motivation comes from, you know, fundamentally. And, and some people say, check your emotions at the door. Well, you know, if you do that, you're, 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 you're half there, right. You know, you're leaving the emotions are, are the piece that bring the kind of the spice you know, and the motivation and the juice, right, to how you interact with others. And so, so getting to understand how you're wired related to that side of yourself is a journey that you'll never finish, but is, is delivers so many, so many benefits over time that it's, 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 it's it, the journey, and there's no destination. It's the journey is the value yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. So just love it. Yeah. Well, well, Jim, Jim, we have one last question for you. It's a bit yeah. of a silly question. It's in my contract. I have to ask you this. If, if, you were on a desert island and you have an option here. Is, is it a favorite book or a famous person that you would want with you on that, that desert island? And you can't pick people that have access to helicopters and stuff. People have already tried that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would, you know, I, in middle school, I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy and I, that is the series that I've probably gone back. I haven't gone back to it in a little while, yeah. but that if I know that's more than one book, but I would say there's a, it's a series. And so you can probably find one book that has all of the three books in it, sure. you know, but I, I, that one, I, I go back to, I just think about the hero's journey and just all of the elements that kind of go into that. And I, I would, I would take that one. So that would trans transport me back to my, to my kind of childhood. And, uh, and there's, probably so many lessons actually to pull out of it, you know, even, even as an adult as well. And so that, that's what I would go back to. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, Jim. And thanks to everyone who joined, joined the podcast. I hope folks learned a thing or two today and that you'll join us next time. I'm Ernie Raposa. Jim Willenbring was my guest. Thank you. Thank you.